Greetings! On behalf of Pastor Joshua Lockett and Triad Christian Center, we welcome you to the Movement Podcast. 2019 is the year of the team player, and Pastor Josh challenges us to connect, join, and serve in the local ministry to advance the kingdom of God. We're glad you're joining us today, so let's tune in to this week's message. Not to try to be something we're not, but to be what you've already called us. We thank you that we're becoming what we are. Lord, we thank you for the renewing of our mind. And Lord, I pray that you are healing and that you are delivering and that you are making a way out of no way. That even today in our hearts and our minds, you are equipping us, you're building us up, and you are empowering us, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everybody say amen. And Father, before we leave this time of prayer, we do pray that you release to us a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation and that the eye of the heart be flooded with light. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody give one more shout of praise. Hallelujah. And you may be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for this opportunity to be back in the house again. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. We thank God for this opportunity today at Triad Christian Center. Amen. We welcome everybody. I want to go really quickly to Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. We are on a series called Who Am I? Say, Who Am I? And while we're turning there, please be mindful that on this upcoming Monday, we are starting a fast. Say a fast. Uh, we, I, I believe that's, that's a good sign to hear somebody clapping about a fast. But I believe they know, some of them might know that what I'm giving up, I'm not going to be able to give up as much as God can give me. Amen. And so I might be giving up some chicken and some sweets and some, some media. But the Bible says that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. How many of you ever been blessed when you've been on a fast? Amen. So can I tell you this fasting? Come on, can I give you a little secret? Fasting is a game changer. It will change the game. Amen. It, 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 it helps you. It builds you up. Clarity comes. If, if, if you've never done a fast, I want to encourage you and challenge you just to take one day, one day to try it out. I tell you, neighbor, I double dare you. Amen. And so I've been, for the grace, by the grace of God, I've been doing this practice, spiritual discipline for some years. This is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines I believe that's out. Amen fasting. So I'm just giving you a, a, a cheat sheet. I'm giving you a little secret. If you want to, I believe, expedite some things and break some things off, I believe fasting is what you need to do. Amen. There are benefits of fasting. Amen. Go with me really quickly to Exodus 3 verse 10. Are we there? It says, now go for I am sending you. And it says, you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now this is talking about Moses. Say Moses. Amen. So Moses is about to be sent to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. And it says in verse 11, it tells us something, it says, but Moses did what? To God, and he says, who am I? He asks the question, who am I? Actually, they was neighbor, who am I? Now, they probably can't tell you, but God can. But who, who am I? And we're going to talk about who am I, please explain you know, this subject of identity in Christ is, man, this thing is, is, is loaded. It's a lot of information. Probably Apostle Paul's top three messages when he was speaking in the epistles, the epistles means letters, Galatians, Ephesians, was number one, Jesus, who Jesus is. Number two, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, the gospel. But also entangled in the gospel message 
was the message of being in Christ or sharing identity with Christ. And so what we're going to focus on today is identity in Christ. I believe the church needs to know who they are. Amen. And, you know, you can be saved but still not know who you are. It's amazing that we think about even in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the olden days where uh, slaves were set free. Do you know that all of the slaves, when they were set free, did not know they were free? And, and, and even though they were free, as it, as it relates legally, they, they weren't experiencing it necessarily because they didn't know yet. And the, and the masters weren't helping them to know. Amen. And, and, and so they found maybe a couple of masters got nice, but y'all get what I'm saying. Here's the thing. Ignorance can hurt you. It can cost you. And, I, and it's the same way. There is so much that Jesus has given us, but if you don't know, you won't walk in. And can I say this to you? I, I believe in being practical, and I believe in when I teach that you should have things you can kind of take home with you, homework, so to speak, and work on. But can I give you the, the practical application of this whole series, really? Because it's going to be a lot of information. The, 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 the practical application is just to learn and know who you are in Christ. Bottom line. We, we give practical tips, and we teach you how to do different things. We got Luke 8, helps you with your money. Amen. We got a marriage class, helps you with your marriage. Glory to God. We, we're practical in this ministry, but I believe the practicality of this message is simply to know. Amen. It's simply to study and to know. There is a power of knowing, number one, who Jesus is, and then knowing who you are. And so we're going to go through Scripture today, and we're just going to kind of figure some things out as far as who we are. Amen. Go with me to Matthew chapter 27. And we'll go to verse 40. Amen. Verse 40. Matthew 27, verse 40. Ask your neighbor, say again. Say, who am I? Who am I? Amen. It says in Matthew 27, verse 40, it says, look at you now. They yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the what? The temple. And it says, and rebuild it in three. Tell your neighbor, say, they didn't know what they were talking about. But the temple he was talking about was himself. He was fulfilling what they were talking about right then because he was on the cross. He was the temple. Amen. And it says, go on and destroy the temple and rebuild it what? So that's talking about the resurrection. That was coming later. It says, well, then, if you are the son of God, do what? Do what? Save yourself. So what were they questioning? His identity. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 4, before Jesus' ministry starts. So this is towards the end of his earthly ministry. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 4. Go with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. See, Jesus was being tempted. By the way, he was about to go on a fast. And it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, did what? Returned from the Jordan River, and it says he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And it says, verse 2, where he was what? Tempted by the devil for 40 days. He was tempted how? By the devil for what? And it says, Jesus ate nothing all that time and became what? Very hungry. I'm so glad to know that on fast that it's okay to be hungry. Amen. Some people make it seem like you're the devil if you're hungry on a fast. You shouldn't even be thinking about food. No, I'm like my Savior. Amen. Verse 3. Verse 3, we'll talk about that more tonight, though. Anyway, verse 3, it says, Then the devil said to him, If you are the what? So the, who's questioning him? The devil's questioning him. So you see Jesus at the beginning of his ministry being questioned his identity. 
You see Jesus towards the end of his earthly ministry hanging on the cross being questioned of his identity. Notice, the both of the times you see that Jesus being questioned, one time he's in the wilderness, the next time he's on the cross. None of those are pleasurable places. So when we're going through the hardest moments of our life and the trials of our life, I believe that's when the enemy is going to try to rise up the most and begin to question who we are. He got questioned in the wilderness and he got questioned on the cross. Y'all with me? So some of you right now, maybe you're going through a wilderness or maybe you're going through a cross. How you know I'm in a wilderness or a cross? It's a lot of pain. Amen. Now, some of you, you in a good moments. The Bible says there's a time for everything. Amen. And, and, and we're not always going through. Amen. How many know that's the truth? Sometimes we're living on top of the world. Amen. Like somebody made a song, Glory to God. We're living, we're, we're living on top of the world, and it's just great. I mean, promotions are coming left and right. Uh, things are happening. Your wife is happy. Amen. Your, your husband's happy. Amen. They're making posts. All your pictures are happy. You're smiling. Glory to God. Your kids are cuter than ever, man. They making straight A's. Glory to God. They getting on the dean's list. All these great things are happening. And then there are other times where they calling you every three days and saying, we, we had to kick Johnny out of class again. Can I get an amen? There, there are other days where the doctor say, I think I see something. Y'all with me? And that's when the devil starts questioning, are you a son of God? Are you a child of God? Are you really blessed and highly favored of the Lord? Amen. That's when the job says, you know what, we, we, we tried everything we can do, but we got to make some cuts, and we decide to cut you. Amen. And you're looking at your neighbor and your, at your job, your coworker, who you know full of the devil, and they still on the job. Amen. They, act, they crazy, but they still on the job. They didn't get cut. You're like, God, how did you cut me, and you didn't cut them? And then you begin to question who you are. Tell your neighbor's neighbor questions. But I want you to notice something. Both, both. Both times that, they, that he was questioned, they tried to get him after the questioning to prove something. Can I tell you, one of the signs that, you, that we don't know who we are, we're always trying to prove something. I'm helping you. One of the telltale signs that somebody doesn't believe who they are is that they always have to prove something. We call it a chip on the shoulder. How does that manifest? I'll help you out. Let's go to the side. How does that manifest? That manifests because every two seconds you're getting in arguments telling people, I'm an adult. You don't talk to me like that. You know why? Because this is what's happening. Not only are you trying to prove it to them, if the truth be told, you're trying to prove it to yourself. See, it's okay to prove things to people if, like Jesus says, if you don't believe what I do, he said, just believe me for the works that I do. In other words, I'm trying to prove it to you. But Jesus said, I don't need to prove it to me. See, that's the issue. The issue is not proving it to others because sometimes God might have you to do that for different reasons. That's why he gives us signs and wonders. But, but when we're trying to prove it to ourselves, that's the problem. Can I ask you, are you trying to prove things to people? Or are you trying to prove things to yourself? That's why we have to make million dollars every month. Not because we want to support the kingdom, but because we're trying to prove to ourselves that we actually have value. And the world will tell you your value is based on your monetary value. Your net value, come on, Jim Bezos, is how much? What's, what's his name, Jim? What's his name? Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. How much he got? One point. He got, a, he got so many zeros. Billions of dollars, right? 
all through Amazon that you're going to buy stuff for for Christmas. Amen. Making money off of you, that's just, that just ain't right, man. But anyway, he making money. But they say your net value is your monetary value. You see how the world sees it? The world's mindset is you're only as valuable as the amount of possessions you have. And how many of us are getting possessions after possessions after possessions? And I got this new flat screen TV. I got a 2,000-inch flat screen TV. Homie, your house not even that big. But what are you trying to prove? I'm a man. I'm in control. I'm successful. I'm prosperous. So I, I got a 2,000-inch screen TV. You got to break it just to get inside the door. Can I get an amen? Got 40-inch rims. Why? Got a Corolla and got 40-inch rims. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, stop trying so hard. When we don't know who we are, we're going to be trying so hard. We, we always try and got 40-inch rims that don't stop spinning when we stop. And we roll down the window and say, you see them? You're looking at the person? Your music's so loud, you got to stand outside to listen to it because it's so loud. You know why? Because we're trying to prove something. We use a whole half a bottle of cologne and perfume. Amen. Why? Because we want to prove to somebody, I'm clean. We know you clean. Amen. But, but that's what we do. And so the devil said, if you are the son of God, he said, turn this stone into a loaf of bread. In other words, prove it. Prove it. I'm telling you right now, I'm getting out the rat race of trying to prove stuff. Listen, I believe what God says about me. Amen. Whether I have a lot or a little, I'm still a child of God. Amen. I don't have to prove it. I don't have to showboat it. I don't have to show you my bank account every two seconds. No, I believe I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. I am a child of Abraham. I don't have to prove it. Can I get an amen? But that, that's, that's, that's really what happens. So, so a sign that we're questioning is we're always trying to prove. And, and that's why a lot of arguments start sometimes. That's why a lot, of, a lot of things happen where, have you ever heard somebody they just always saying, I ain't the one. And then we, then we, and, and then we even go further, and, 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 and they got to let everybody know, I don't care what people think. The sign that you just did that, the fact you just did that is a sign you do care what people think. You, don't, you, care, what, you care that people think you don't care. You ever seen somebody get on Instagram? I don't care what people think. I just learned to stop. Well, don't tell us. Because in all actuality, we do care. And I'm not saying that God doesn't put right people in your lives that affirm you and encourage you, but sometimes they can even forsake you. Amen. Jesus was hanging on the cross, and he said, my God, my God, why have you what? And at the end of the day, he still said, Father. In other words, he said, I'm still a child, even after my own father. Y'all are not hearing me. Even after the greatest person in my life, my heavenly father left me, I'm still saying father. He ended his ministry still realizing I'm a son of God. I might be hanging on the cross, people mocking me, talking about me, betraying me, leaving me, all my disciples gone, but I'm still a child of God. Why? Because my identity is set in what my father has said about me, and nothing will ever shake that. Can you say at the end of your life, Father, I'm still a child. I lost a lot of money. A lot of people left me, but Father. I'm bleeding. I'm hanging on the cross naked, but Father, I'm still a son of God. I'm still a child of God. 
You know what? It's hard to believe when you're hanging on the cross. It's hard to believe when you're in the wilderness. Amen. And people ain't screaming your name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And all you can think about is Rose from O'Charlie's. Come on now. It's hard. You say, God, why are you out here? You start feeling sorry for yourself. I'm out here fasting. Nobody else even fasting, kicking rocks. But you're still a son and a child of God. I'm so thankful that my identity is set by God and not by man. Can I give you a word that I gave Tuesday night? Don't let your conditions become your conviction. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, don't let your condition, you can live with this all week long, become your conviction. Abraham's condition was that he was a dead man. What does that mean? He wasn't able to have children. But his conviction was based on the word and not his situation. And he believed what God said about him. God said, you are the father of many nations. Even in your dead condition, you are still the father of many nations. I don't know what your condition is today, but don't let it become your conviction. Amen. Because the Bible says we walk by faith and we walk not by sight. That's condition. In other words, we walk by what God is saying. Really, that's natural condition because we, we do pull from the spiritual sight to build our faith, but in the natural sight, we don't walk by that. So let's go. Number one, explaining a person's identity in Christ. Here we go. Number one, say number one. Let's just explain it and understand it a little bit more. Number one, your identity in Christ is spiritual. Say it's spiritual. It's not a natural identity. It is a spiritual one. It is a spiritual one. Say it's a spiritual identity. Amen. So it's, it's not just, and I'll talk about this a little bit later on, but it's not just that I'm black. It's not just that I'm white. It's not just that I'm Hispanic. Amen. It's not that I, I work this job and I do this and type of business. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with your natural identity. Your identity in Christ is a spiritual one. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, actually we'll go to Colossians 3 verse 1. Colossians 3 verse 1, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your what? On the what? Of who? Heaven, where Christ sits in the place of, of honor at God's right hand. Look at what it says in verse 2. It says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Verse 3, it says, for you did what? And your what? Your real life is what? It's hidden. Your real life. And I'll just say, even in that real life, your real identity, it is hidden with who? Christ in God. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. We'll go to the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Say, I have a spiritual identity. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a what? From a human point of view. Look at what it says in the Amplified. It says, consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from purely, say, from a purely human point of view. And in terms of what? Natural. Say natural. Standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human point of view and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in the terms of what? 
the flesh. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you're bigger and you're greater than just your flesh. Amen. And so was Christ. How, how do you think people were able to recognize? They were able to come. We're going to be next month or so. I know people say it's, it ain't really when he was born, but in a couple months, we're going to, month or two, month and a half is a change. We're going to be doing what? Christmas. And you have me know those wise men came and they sat there and they gave frankincense and they gave myrrh and all these different items to, to and I don't know if it was three wise men. That's another story. But uh, they came and they, they put this before a baby. Tell your neighbor, a baby that was in swaddling clothes. They were able to recognize his value. Why? Not because of what he had naturally, because if you looked at what he had naturally, he was in swaddling clothes. He looked like he was struggling. But they were able to discern the spiritual value that was in Christ Jesus. So is the same with us. And by the way, tell your neighbor's neighbor, don't be shook by looks, because looks can be deceiving. Y'all know that's the truth. On Instagram, they never mind, I'm sorry. How many of you ever seen people in real life and then you compare it to their Instagram and it just, it just does something to you? I'm not going to tell you what it does, but it does something to you. The Bible says the devil appears like an angel of light. So tell your don't be shook by looks. He's still evil, though. He looked like he liked. He's still evil. Tell your name, he's still evil. Amen. So, so what, I'm, what I'm saying is that beyond all this flesh, there is a spiritual identity that we have. I think that's good news. No, I know that's good news because it, I'm so glad God doesn't base who I am on how I look. Amen. I'm so glad God doesn't base who I am on what my past is. Amen. It is a spiritual identity. Number two, we have a shared identity. Say shared. By the way, all these are going to be S's. Amen. That's what every preacher does. He tries to make them all go with one letter. Amen. Shared. I have a shared identity. Shared identity. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. I was hit, trying to hit on this, I guess, Tuesday night. Uh, and, and when we were, we were talking about us being one with Christ. And, it's, <laughs> and it says in Romans 8, verse 17, it says, And since we are his what? We are his what? In fact, together with who? Together with who? Together with who? Let me say it again. Together with who? We are what? Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. It goes even further. It says, but if we are to what? Share his what? His glory, we have to do what? Wow. We have shared identity with Christ Jesus. That means what he is, we are. Can I tell you this? You can be nothing without him already being it. You know why you're a child of God? Because he is. Do you know the scripture says he is the king of kings? So the question is, who are the kings? You're not with me. He said, we are, he is the Lord of lords. So who are the lords? The Bible says if we suffer with him, then we will. Who are those people he's talking about? Angels? Angels? 
He is the chief intercessor, but he's also called us to be what? He says, intercede for all men. First Timothy, I believe, chapter 2. So he's the chief intercessor. He is the high priest, but he's called us a royal. Are y'all with me now? Listen, we share, listen, we share his identity. You know what? The devil will sit here and say, oh, that's just being too prideful. That's being boastful. That's, no, 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 no. This is what I am called to be, part two. I'm called to be part two of Jesus. He said we're seated in heavenly places with him. When he ascended to the right hand of the Father, we went up with him. Y'all ain't talking to me. Why? Because we share his identity. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you're more than a conqueror. Not in your intellect or your charisma or your education, but in Christ Jesus. You know why you're more than a conqueror? Because he is. Tell your neighbor, I'm part two. Let me stay in this a little bit. Um, can I ask you a question? Mamas, y'all got to help me out. Daddies, y'all might not be able to help me out too much because y'all might have fell out when this happened. But I'm going to ask the mamas. Mamas, I got a question for you. Say, say Pastor, I got a question for you. Y'all better help. You better help them out too. Don't act like you don't know. Amen. I got a question. When a baby is born, what comes out first? Let me go to the side. Y'all, y'all, y'all daddies, I can't tell y'all. When a, when, a, when a baby is born, what comes out first, Sister Latoria? But what is it the majority of the time? Don't mess up my example. What is it? What is it? What comes out? She said fluid. Help, help your past. Help the pastor out. What comes out first? What body part comes out first? The head. That's right, the head. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus is what of the body? Let me go to the side. So that means the first thing that became visible in the body of Christ was, in other words, Jesus was part one. We're part two. Y'all ain't talking to me. In other words, he was the first one that ascended. We're the second one that ascended. He was the first one that rose from the dead. We're the second. Y'all ain't talking to me. Why? Because he's part one and we part two. Aren't you thankful that the head came out? And if the head come out, the body's coming out with it. If he conquered death, we can conquer death. If he's victorious over sin, we can be victorious. Why? Because he's the head. Say head first. Head first. Romans, Romans 8 verse, verse 29 actually kind of tells us that. It says, it says, uh, tell you name for shared identity, shared identity. Romans 8, verse 29. It says, for God knew his people in what? And he chose them to become like who? And it says, so that his son would be the what? Did I make that up? So who came out first? What does the Bible say came out first? Head first. Jesus is the head of his body, the church. So the head came out first among many what? We said this Tuesday night, Jesus is our oldest brother. He's our big brother. Y'all should be excited about that. Because how many of you know you need to, now my big sister, she's not my big sister technically anymore because I outgrew her. But how many know it's good to have big siblings? Amen. Because you know real siblings, if you go to war, they with you. They say, I'm going to fight you. you I want to see if you're going to try to fight me out of school. I'm going to have my brother and my sister right there with me. And if you're a real brother and sister, you'll fight for your sibling. Amen. Now, if y'all got now, you know what's funny? You would have gotten an argument just that morning, coming to school, arguing over who get the front seat, coming to school, and your little car ride itself, coming to school. 
And if somebody tried to mess with your brother, you say, we'll say the argument for later. What you say to my brother? We'll finish the argument later, but what did you just say to my brother? You were just ar- talk. You were talking about him worse than the person was, but now you want to fight for him. Paul was messing with the church. He was persecuting. Jesus said, hey, 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 Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you messing with me? And, and Saul, he kind of said, I don't know who you are. I mean, who are you, Lord? What's the point? Jesus takes it personal. When you mess with his body, he takes it personal. Tell you say, he takes it personal. He don't say them, he say me. Come on now, he takes it personal. He said, why? Because it's shared identity. Say shared identity. Hallelujah. Am I not giving you scripture? I'm not just out here just talking. I believe you got to base everything on the word. And I, and I, and I believe it's, it's very Go with me to Isaiah 42. Tell your neighbor, we have shared identity. It's going to really help you out. Isaiah 42, verse 7. It says, for God, Isaiah 42, verse 7. I thought it was going to be behind me. That's why I tried to turn it for God, but it wasn't there. Go, go with me real quick. Isaiah 42, it says, you will open the eyes of the blind, and you will do what? From the prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. Look at what it says in verse 8. I am the what? He said, that is my what? He said, just for y'all who didn't know, I just want to make sure you know that's my name. He said, I will not do what? You know, you're not. I will not give my glory to anyone else. I will not what? Nor what? I will not give my glory to anyone else. Go back to Romans 8, verse 29. Let me show you something. Tell your neighbor, we're about to see something. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you have shared identity. Look at what it says. It says, Verse, verse, verse 30. Look at this verse 30. We go, let's go to the next verse. And having what? He did what? And having called them, he did what? And having given them right standing, he did what? Hold up. I'm helping you. What does that mean? He just said he wouldn't give his glory to anyone you're not with me. Elder Taylor, help me. I always have to do Elder Taylor, help me. Nah, this ain't going to be good. Sister Missionary Taylor, help me. <laughs> come, come. Come quickly. Missionary Taylor, where is she? Where's your wife? I got to do this just for the sake of people's minds. Amen. Now, you know, Missionary Taylor, she's coming up. This is the wife of Elder Taylor. Amen. And the Bible says the two shall become what? Okay. So really, that's why I'll help some people out. This will be a humor for some people and help some other people. That's why, really, what what I do to him, I do to what? Them. And so that's why, really, it would be a good gesture, just a good gesture every once in a while, that if I'm going to come up and talk to Missionary Taylor, I need to have the audacity to talk to. I knew you would like that. I knew you would like that. Tell you because they won. Tell you because they won. Say, that's just disrespectful to talk to one but not talk to the other. Amen. Come on. Can I get an amen? 
I mean, how would you like if you married somebody, have a full-blown conversation with your spouse, and you standing right there, and they're like, hey, you just stand over there. Come on, Elder Taylor. You, you stay over there. Is that right? I should at least acknowledge Missionary Taylor, right? And vice versa. I shouldn't be taking nobody off to the corner, and they spouse over there saying, I wonder what they talk. They shouldn't even be wondering what you're talking about. Come on, marriage class. Y'all got to help me. So anyway, go back over there because I got to. So, all right, so they won. So, so if, okay, I'm going to act like these. Oh, y'all, all right, y'all, That's we in church. Okay. <clears throat> Here are my keys. Y'all with me? Stay with me. Give those keys to Missionary Taylor. Don't take my keys. Don't drive off. Amen. Technically, if the two shall become one, he didn't really give it to another. I want to help you. I mean, yeah. Now, if Elder Taylor gives it to me, I'm not one with him like that. Amen. In Christ I am, but not like that. So he gave the keys to me. I'm another. But when he gives it to his wife, he's giving it really to himself because they're one. He didn't get what I said. But when he gives it, come on, give it back to me. But when he gives it to me, I'm another. You didn't get what I said. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, we have been united with Christ Jesus. So when he gives us glory, he's not giving it to another. He's giving it to himself, the body. In other words, it's a shared glory. In other words, it's a shared identity. I'm not giving it to somebody else. I'm giving it to myself. Every time I give it to my wife, the church, I'm giving it to myself. When I give healing, when I give glory, when I give power, when I give authority, I'm giving it to myself. I'm not giving it to another. Give a shout of praise for Jesus uniting us. You may be seated. Thank you for that example. So tell your neighbor, I'm not giving it to another. I'm not giving it to another. Bible says in Ephesians, I believe, 5 verse 31, it says, and the two shall become one. And this illustrates the relationship between Jesus and the church. So in other words, in other words, when he gives it to another, that's giving it to someone outside of him. But because when he gives us the glory, he's giving it to himself. Because he's the head. We are the body. We're all one. Say shared identity. So that's why you can really say that when you show up on the job, you Jesus part two. When you show up at the family reunion, you're Jesus part two. Y'all not talking. When you show up at the business meeting, you're Jesus part two. Because you represent Jesus. And just like Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. You can say, when you see me, you see Jesus. Why? Because you are Jesus part two. I'm talking about who you are in Christ. I'm talking about who you are. I'm not talking about what they told you. I'm talking about what God says you are. You are part two. Come on now. Give a shout of praise. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So stop bringing up your past. Amen. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a couple things we share. Here we go. We share his riches. Amen. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 19, and my God will supply all your needs according to what? So we share his money. Say his money, his provision. Amen. Hallelujah. It says this, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your what? All your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given where? Where? So we share his riches. When we have that shared identity, we share his righteousness. Romans 8, verse 1 
through 3 says there is no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. We can only be as condemned as Jesus is condemned. And Jesus is no longer condemned. Amen. Because he took all the judgment upon himself 2,000 years ago. So there is no judgment. And you can't have double jeopardy. You can't judge a man twice. Y'all ain't talking to me. And he's already been judged for our sin. So there's no reason for you to go and judge yourself for your sin. Because Jesus has already taken the judgment. All you got to do is receive the sacrifice. Aren't you excited that your record has been cleared and has been counseled? You have been washed clean because of the blood of Jesus. Give a shout of praise to Jesus right there. Hallelujah. I was talking to one of the elders in the back. I said, I said, what is a cosigner? I said, a cosigner helps you with a loan, right? Then he started preaching to me. I said, I didn't ask you to do all that. He said, they take on everything that comes with that loan in so many words. When they sign, when they co-sign, they're saying, I agree. I come into congruence. I unite with this person. So if you got bad credit, what are they connecting with? That's why we got to, that's why singles, we got to watch out who we marry. Y'all ain't talking to me. And check their credit score. Come on, can I get an amen? Because when you unite with them, you unite with their problem. But thank God that Jesus didn't just unite with us in the good times. He united with us in the bad times. Yet while we were sinners, God came and sent his son, Jesus, to come and die for us and to co-sign with us and to take our line to take our cheating, to take our stealing. He co-signed. That means if something happens, he takes the hit. That's what the Good Samaritan did. He said, if the bill runs higher than this, I'll take it. That's what Jesus did. That's why he hung naked. Not because of his sin, because of our sin. That's why he was beat. Not because of our sin, his sin, but because of our sin. He wasn't the one who committed pornography. He wasn't the one who committed adultery. He wasn't the one who committed murder. It was us. But when he co-signed with us, he took upon himself our problem. Aren't you so thankful that he shared our problem so that we can share his victory? Come on now. That's what he did. The Bible says we are righteous in Christ. Say, you're righteous. I believe Judah's biggest problem was that he could no longer see himself righteous after what he did. The Bible says that Judas literally returned the money that he got for betraying Jesus. And even after returning it, he still committed suicide because he couldn't deal with his psyche after what he did. How many people are still dealing? Watch this. That, it doesn't mean you are guilty, but you still think you're guilty. Your conscience is still dirty. Why? Because you have not allowed it to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But I declare today that your conscience is being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. What you did in the past is the past because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and it washes away all sins. Here goes the thing. If he is no longer condemned, neither are you. Can I get an amen? But it says in Christ Jesus. That's why we got to be where? In Christ Jesus. Everything is in him. All the promises are what? Yes, I mean, and where are they? They're inside of him. Everything is in him. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, that's why we got to get in him. Okay, so we have shared identity. It says, so we're righteous. We got riches. We got righteousness that we share with him. Amen. It's not our own. It's his righteousness. And then we have a release. Say a release. It speaks of freedom, release from the power of sin. Not only are we released from the penalty of sin, we're righteous, but we are released from the power of sin, sanctification. That means that we can walk right, talk right, live right, act right, because we have an identity that is holy now. We have an identity that is pure now. Why? Because we share 
his release from the power of sin. The Bible says in Romans 6, verse 7, it says that we have been set free from what? The power of sin. Whether you experience it or not, you are free from sin. Say, I'm free from sin. Amen. Whether you experience it or not, we are free from every type of addiction, every type of bondage. Why? Because we are united with Christ Jesus. But go back to the example I said earlier. The slaves were free. They just didn't know it yet. And because of that, they still operated as a slave, even though they were free. You ain't talking to me. And some of us today have to come into the revelation that who the Son sets free is free indeed. And it's time to just walk away and act like you are. You ain't talking to me. Tell you them, say, start acting like you are. Start acting like you really are. You are a child of God. So we know that we have been released from the power of sin. Amen. Uh, thank God for my sister and all of the hundred of kids that she's had. No, I'm messing. But for my, my nephews, I got four nephews and I've got um, one niece. I know I got a niece. Y'all don't have to help me. I got one niece and I got four nephews. One niece, four nephews. One niece, four nephews. My sister obviously carried all of those children in her womb. Thank God for mamas. Amen. But you know what's interesting? When she was carrying them, she just didn't stop, you know, doing what she was doing. Eventually, over time, she did. But there were a couple months out of each pregnancy that in her, in her belly, she carried her kids while still working, while still doing, still doing everyday life. Come on, can I get an amen? She, she, she didn't stop. Matter of fact, what she was doing probably was she was preparing for the baby's arrival. She would get baby clothes. Well, someone after the third child, they probably didn't get to have to get too much because they had hand-me-downs and, and, and people were blessed and they give you diapers for a whole year, but then they can't give you mortgage for a whole year. That's another story. That's, but uh, thank God for healing. But that's, but uh, thank God for blessing. So they give them diapers. And all of this stuff starts coming in. And, and mama and daddy, James, thank God for James, they both were, were, were coming together to prepare for little James Michael arrival Little uh, Carson's arrival, little Luke's arrival, Aaron's arrival, that's the priest, amen, and then Imani's arrival. They were doing all of that. They were working while she was just sitting, while he was just sitting, while they were just resting in connection. And everything my sister ate, they would eat. Y'all ain't talking to me. So, so what happened was when my sister would go out to, let's say, a restaurant and eat some soul food, all the babies had to do was just stay connected. And whatever mama ate, they could eat. Whatever mama tasted, they could taste too. They didn't have to do any chewing. I'm helping you. They didn't have to pay any money. They didn't have to make sure they budget right so they could have enough money to go out to eat. They didn't have to do any of that. All they had to do was just stay connected. Jesus said, abide in me and I'll abide in you and you'll produce fruit. All you got to do is just stay connected in Christ. And that's what, that's what we're doing. We're just that baby sitting up in that womb, connected by the umbilical cord, growing, getting bigger, getting fatter as we stay connected to Christ while the mama and the daddy is doing all the work. See, can I give you this word? Jesus has already done all the work as it relates to your penalty being taken care of, the power of sin being broken. But it's your job to connect to him because he's done the work, but you got to connect to the work. Say connect to the work, connect to the work. That's what happened. Jesus did all the work. He tasted death for us. He, he took the cat of nine tails. So he did all of that so we can experience the freedom. So say shared identity. All right, number one, spiritual identity. Number three, and this is, this is kind of just me. I'm not, this is kind of a, a, a weird term, but I'm going to use it anyway for the sake of the message because I had to get another S. Spanking new identity. Amen. 
Say spanking new, spanking new, spanking new. Brand spanking new. The Bible says we have a new identity in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, Behold, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New. They say new. Say new. So we have a brand, brand, brand spanking. How many of y'all like a new car? How many of y'all like a new car? I like that new car smell. Amen. It lasts for two days and it's over. I know for some of y'all to clean your car every two seconds, it lasts longer. But for others, it's, it, after we get a couple spills from, from uh, some food, I take food in my car, it's gone. But anyway, spanking new. I like that new car smell. It's just so great. I mean, you bring everybody in your car when your car is new. You say, yeah, you can ride with me. Come on. You showing your car off. As soon as you get a couple stains, hey, I holler at you. I ride your car. Amen. Don't we do it? Amen. We don't want nobody to see our car. Amen. Thank God for clean cars in the parking lot. Amen. So say new. Somebody said, somebody said, I was born that way. Well, you born again in Christ. So even if you were born that way, God gives you a brand new identity in Christ. It doesn't matter what family lineage you grew up in. Guess what? You have a new identity in Christ. It doesn't really matter what your last name is. You have a new identity in Christ. Say, I'm brand spanking new. Here's the last one, number four. I have a superior identity. Superior. This doesn't have to do with being prideful, but this more so focuses on whatever situation I'm living in, my identity is above it. Amen. My identity is greater than it. Now, let me go really quickly to Galatians chapter, chapter 3, verse 28 through 29. And it says something to us. It says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. A slave or free. Male and what? Whoa, Paul. Whoa, what were you trying to say? He said, there's no longer male and female. He says, for you are all what? Okay. One in Christ Jesus. Verse 29. And now that you belong to what? You are the fake children. You are the true children of what? Abraham. You are, this is identity, people of God. Look at this. You are his what? And God's promise to Abraham belongs to who? Now, go back. Let me give you context, and we're going to close this message out. You have to understand how big of a statement that was. In the Jewish context, they were the elite people. They were elite. Everybody else was low class. They were high class. They were first class. Everybody else was, was back in the regular part of the plane. They were first class. But God's true intention, I believe, was to use the Jewish people as a prophetic nation to show what he was going to do with everybody. In other words, they were a small group of what he wanted to do with everybody because Jesus died not just for the 
Jews, he died for the who? The whole world. Jesus' blood was shed for everybody. More so, let me tell you how, let me tell you how much this was an issue. Um, in the book of Acts, if you read Acts 1 through 9, the majority of what you see as far as ministry is directed towards the Jewish people. Acts 2, that was about Jewish people. All of those people came from different nations. It was like a homecoming. Amen. Y'all know homecoming? Everybody come back. It was during the festival of Pentecost. That's why they call it the day of Pentecost. Amen. So that was a Jewish festival. Are y'all with me? So they were all, I mean, I don't know if you call it homecoming, but I would say it's home. I mean, they were there. Put it that way. They were there. So you had about 10 to 11 different people. They were people over here. There were people over there. And they heard everyone, the Jewish people, speaking their dialect. They heard them speaking in their tongue. That was, the, that was really the sign of the outpouring of God's Spirit, is that they were speaking all of those people's languages, and they were saying the same thing. They were speaking about the praises of God. Are y'all with me? I believe the Holy Spirit can break down any barrier. It doesn't matter what color you are, what background you have. The Holy Spirit is a barrier breaker. Can I get an amen? But even within that, the Acts 2 talks about the Holy Spirit pouring out only Jewish people. 3,000 were saved, only Jewish people. You go. It's not until you get to Acts chapter 10 where you see Cornelius have a encounter. And in this encounter, he says, call for Peter. When Peter comes on the scene, now Cornelius is a God. Elder Taylor, you good, sir. You throwing me off. Cornelius is a Gentile. Say a Gentile. Are y'all with me? So he was the low class. Now, it's amazing to me that in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus gave them clear instructions. He said, go to Judea. He said, go to Samaria. And he said, go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But it seems like they got stuck in Jerusalem or Judea. I wonder why. I bet you it was because some people were whispering in their ears saying, you know what? Don't go talk to them people. They low class. They crazy. They like the same sex. Y'all ain't talking to me. They're the ostracized people. Those are the murderers. Those are the abusers. Those are the molesters. Those are the despised people. Can I ask you a question? Who do we despise today? Who do we think are too bad for the gospel? Can I tell you this? Just like God washed your sin away, he'll wash their sin away. It doesn't matter who you are. So don't become prejudiced when it comes to the gospel. We even see this in Galatians 2. Peter is struggling with this so much, I would say, that Peter, that Apostle Paul has to come to his face and say, brother, you're wrong for what you're doing. Because he was acting indifferent to the Gentile people. This was a struggle. Just like we have racial struggles now, it was a struggle going on back then. That's why I believe even when Jesus came to the woman at the well, you say, he's giving us a lot of information. Just go back. I got it on podcast. Go back and listen to it. Amen. In John chapter 4, Jesus is sitting at the well with the woman. Now, I believe Jesus, according to culture, erred in two ways. I'm going to tell you how. Number one, he erred because he was talking to a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans, what were they? They were the half-breed. Amen. They, they, they were kind of good, but then they were kind of bad, too. Amen. 
They were the top, they were the 10 tribes of Israel that were split up and began to intermingle in marriages. They began to marry with the wrong people. So they weren't quote unquote the holy people anymore. So when he was talking to that Samaritan, he was talking to a half breed. And he asked her, he said, Half breed, can I get some water? And then she said, What are you? That's why you remember how she responded? If you go back and study, she said, What are you doing talking to me? Well, first of all, she probably thought he was trying to holler at her. Amen. Because she had five husbands, and the one she was with won her husband. So he probably thought she was trying to holler. So then, but then she, he said, and he said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me. And I would give you the, I would give you eternal life. I would give you living waters. That would, and then she starts saying, then they start going back and forth about where should they worship. Well, what was this? This was a conversation between a Jew. Jesus, by nationality, was a Jew. He wasn't African-American. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. Amen. He was a Jew. Amen. You say, well, he was a black Jew. He was a Jew. Amen. So he was a Jewish person talking. Now, we're talking about identity. Are y'all with me? Come on now. This is all in identity. So he's, he's talking to a Samaritan. Her identity, according to them, was you're a half-breed. You're a half-breed. You're in and you're out, but you're not, you, we don't really know where to put you. You're, you're black and you're white. You're kind of mixed. We don't know where to put you. Come on now. It's, 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 you're a half-breed, and then you got the Gentiles. They just all wrong. So they all wrong. So he said, so you got Paul going back in Galatians chapter 3, and he's saying, verse 28, he's saying this. This is what he's saying. Oh, I didn't finish my story with Cornelius. By the way, Cornelius was a Gentile, God-fearing man. Peter came, preached the gospel, and the gospel opened up to the Gentiles. And guess what? He said, y'all, we, can't, we can no longer object to these people coming to know God. We got to stop objecting them coming to know God. It's obvious God wants them to be saved, too. So it was a huge issue even back then. Jesus in his ministry, he says, only go to the Jews, the children of Israel. That's why you even see. I mean, I could go. Are y'all with me? Can I just go? I'm trying to give you context. That's why even when the woman with the, with the, who was crying out for deliverance for her child, she said, he said, even the dog, she said, even the dogs can eat the crumbs. What was Jesus basically calling her? A dog. What was a dog? An unclean thing. He said, I'm sent to the children of Israel. So you see this, they were probably dealing with like, God, are you only going to the Jews now or are you going to the Jews and the Gentiles? So then Paul says this. He says, Galatians 3 verse 28, there is no longer. Paul, you better hush your mouth, boy. He's saying all of this pride you've had, all of this prestige you had with being a Jew, in other words, that's, that's what he could have been saying. He's saying all of that's about to be broke down. That don't even really matter no more. It don't matter who your daddy was. Y'all not hearing me. It don't matter who your daddy was or who your mama was. It don't matter what type of degree you had. It doesn't matter if you was raised in a good family, a single-parent family, or you had both parents in your family. It doesn't matter if you were abused when you were young or you never were abused. It really doesn't matter if you were a virgin or you weren't a virgin. It doesn't matter what your background is. He's saying, Listen, there's no longer a Jew or Gentile, black or white. Like Michael said, he said, you're black, you're white. No matter, you know, it, it don't really matter who you are right now. He was speaking racially. He says, there's no longer Jew. There's no longer Gentile. That's racial status. How many people pride themselves off of their race? When that is, that is inferior to your superior identity. I am Christian first. I am black second. Y'all ain't talking to me. 
I will never allow my race to supersede my identity in Christ because my race is not what saved me. My race is not what delivered me. My race is not what gave peace to my mind. It was the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. And I will never give more attention to my natural race than I will my spiritual race. You are a holy priesthood. You are a royal nation. You are a chosen generation. black and I'm proud. You can do it all day long and still be battling with the powers of darkness because black and I'm proud don't deliver you. I can say that. I'm a black man. I'm still black when I walk out of here. On my my license it says I'm black. Glory to God. I think it does, right? Y'all know I'm black. I went to HBCU and everything, so you can't say I ain't black. Aggie hunt humility. Come on now. Not Aggie pride. See, that's wrong. You think because you were Aggie and they went to UNCG. You know what I'm saying? You, you think you better. But we're all one in Christ. I know it's hard to believe because they, they different in UNCG, but it's hard to believe. Got some Hamptonians in here too. Amen. Glory to God. It don't matter whether you're a Hamptonian or you're you from Antique. Glory to God. In Christ, you are all one. Come on now. He was dealing with the statuses, I believe, of the people of that day. So the Jewish people was like, you mean to tell me I can't walk around with my head up any longer? It doesn't matter anymore. And I don't know what it is you're battling with as far as status, whether it's being married or you're looking down on the people that are divorced or divorced people, you're looking at the people that are married and you're looking down and y'all, you back. See, what happens when we find out who we are in Christ, unity, I believe, develops. Because we find out that in Christ, we're all one. You know what I'm saying? We're all in the seat of Christ. We're all connected with him. We're all under the blood of Jesus. We all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And it doesn't matter if I did the same sin you did. The, the greatest point is that we've all been washed by the blood of Jesus. So it says, it says there's no longer Jew or Gentile. Look what it says in the Amplified. And I got to close. Say he got to close. He got to close. Watch how you say that. Amen. Amplify. It says, there is no, there is, it goes a little bit further. It says, there is now is no what? Neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither what? Socioeconomic status. Whoo! I could probably see back then there were slaves that felt like they were inferior, where the free people were looking down on them like, what? He says, there's neither nor slave nor free. Then he goes on the further and he says, there is not male and, oh, that's a big one. Woman, listen to me. I'm the man of this house. I got what you're saying. But Peter also said, brother, if you don't learn how to treat her, your prayers are going to be held up. You have to find the value in her that is in Christ Jesus, not what the world tells you. I know the world told you she was supposed to be your maid and jump on one foot like they did on coming to America. Whatever you say, I do. Whatever you, I know that's your mindset of a woman, but that's not what God says. Y'all remember that woman jumping on one foot? And I know you think men are supposed to carry the whole world on their shoulders and they're never supposed to have low points and they're never supposed to show weakness. And you a man, stop crying. That's a bad example for my son. But how many of you know that men go through sometimes too? And their identity is not based on how well they can hold back tears. Their identity is based on the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 
the value that is found in Christ Jesus. So it says that whether you're male or whether you're, you're female, it, it really, really doesn't matter now, y'all. It really doesn't matter. Now, I'm not saying, that's why I said superior. I'm not saying you're still, still not a male and it's still not a female, because if you read through Scripture, Paul still talks about these different groups. But what I'm saying is it really doesn't matter when it comes to being in Christ. Being in Christ is the highest level of identity that you can have. It's not how much money you have in the bank. Come on now. It's not your past. It's, it's being in Christ is the highest. You see how that humbles you in your heart to know that everybody is on one accord through the blood and through the, and through the spirit of Christ, that we don't have to sit here and bickle and batter about, huh, what did you do? Huh? I got, I got longer hair than you. I got shorter hair than you. I'm skinny. You big. I'm, you know, we're going back and forth. Why? Because we're battling. You know, and somebody, somebody, they laugh, but you know, that's serious. How many people think, I'm just ugly? No, you're not. In Christ Jesus, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You, you are seated in heavenly places. You are so valuable that he shed his blood for you. And how many of us have made our identity the natural things? We've based it on the natural things. I'm overweight. I'm underweight. I'm tall. I'm skinny. I'm short. I'm black. I'm mixed. And that now becomes our identity. What about your past? I was abused. I was molested. No, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Don't allow your condition to become your conviction. In Christ Jesus, you are a new creature. And I know there are people in here today. You say, I'm nothing more than a reject. I'm nothing more than an abandoned person. I'm nothing more than a failure. I am a loser. You're like, you're like Naomi. She said, call me bitter. She says, because of everything I've been through, call me bitter. She tried to rename herself, but I'm coming to erase what you're trying to rename yourself. God has not called you bitter. He's called you Naomi. And even if you don't feel like it's pleasant, Naomi means pleasant. God has still called you to be a Naomi because it's through his grace that we're able to make it. The Bible says we're pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Come on now. No matter what you're going through on the outside, you can still be who God's called you to be on the inside. You can be hanging on a cross like Jesus and still be the son of God. Y'all ain't talking to me. You can become sin and still be the son of God. You're not talking to me. You can be the sacrifice of the world, ostracized by people, left betrayed by people, and still be the son of God because your identity in Christ is superior to your situation to your past. I don't know what's holding you up today mentally. I don't know what you think you are. How many people? I remember I, I, I used to play football in my, all, all of my years. I played football and I loved the sport and I would walk around. Come on, like I was a football. I mean, everywhere I went, I mean, I would walk like a football player. I wasn't even on the field. Football players know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you walk around, but you know what? My identity was wrapped up in a game called football. But now I know my identity is wrapped up in Christ. Come on now. Now I know my identity is wrapped up in Christ. How many people are stuck with past opportunities that they missed or that they didn't get? And they're still stuck in football. They're still stuck. That's how you have a 50-year-old man still going out to high school. Every high school game knows every player on the team, but they don't know him. Why? Because he's stuck. We even see some people getting stuck. They even dress the same like they did back in the day because they're stuck. 
Their identity is, y'all ain't, ain't got to laugh, but so loud. Their identity is stuck in the past. They still wearing platform shoes because what? That was, their, that, was their, that was their great day. That was their high days. That's when everybody liked them and their hair was so long and everybody called their name. But now, they, so they're stuck. How many of us have gotten stuck in our past and we've made it our identity? I'm speaking to you right now. I don't know what it is. But it might be the, the name of your family. Say, I just wish I wasn't called that. I wish I didn't have that attached to my life. I want to change my name. Can I tell you this? It doesn't matter what your last name is. It matters what he's named you. Because in Christ Jesus, you are new. And even if your name is attached to people who were drug addicts, if your name is attached to people who stole from people, who were, who were the talk of the town, can I tell you, in Christ Jesus, you are affirmed, you are loved, you are accepted. Come on now. Your daddy might have been a, a, a low-down rascal, and he might have been a knucklehead, but in Christ Jesus, you are the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus, you are a king. And in Christ Jesus, you are a joint heir of salvation. Your daddy might not have left you anything, but in Christ Jesus, you have an inheritance because Jesus won an inheritance for you. You are new. What I'm trying to say is that your identity in Christ is greater than your past. It's greater than your problems. It's greater than your pain. So stop. Can I, can I say this to you? It's going to be a little confrontational. Stop using that as an excuse. Can I get an amen? Come on. Can I get a better amen? Yeah. I had to get free. I was, I was so stuck, and I had dreams almost every night about football, playing football. My days are over. I go out there and try to run out and probably pull something. It's over. Yeah, I'm about to go out there and hoop. You're going to go out there and hoop and pull something. Then call your wife to come and help you. People get stuck in their mind. We, get, we all do. But I had to come up out of that phone. Football days are over. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what you got stuck in. But I declare you're getting unstuck today. You're getting unstuck. <laughs> Somebody might have called you ugly. In first grade, y'all out on the playground, on the monkey bars. Said, you ugly. And ever since then, you've been hurt. You've been scarred. But like I said last week about scar in, in, in the Lion King, don't let, don't let scars cause you to run from your purpose. Y'all remember that? Scar. What scars do you have that are causing you to run from your purpose? Scar told Simba, run and never come back. And then he found Rafiki. And Rafiki said, do you know who you are? That's the question I have for you today. Do you know who you are? Who you really are? And Rafiki told him, he says, do you see? He says, you see, and, and I want to correct myself. He didn't say, what do you see? He said, you see. He said, you see, he lives in you. And boy, isn't that a word for us? Who was he talking about? Now, in, the, in the movie, Lion King was talking about Mufasa. But in, but in our lives, do you see Christ? You see Christ lives on the inside of you. Paul said, it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives on the inside of me. After that, Simba ran back to Pride Rock. And I believe some of us, if we realize that he's in us, we're going to run back to our purpose. You've been trying to face your problems in and of yourself, but you forgot that Jesus was on the inside of you. So if every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray real quick. Lord, we just want to give you an opportunity to speak to our hearts. We thank you for this opportunity to hear about our identity in Christ. 
Some of us feel like we're, 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 just, we're, we're just lonely. We're, we, I don't know what we've called ourselves, but we've given ourselves all these names that you haven't given us. Maybe we're single and we're not married yet and everybody else is married and we're just saying that we're a lonely single person and we're rejected by people. Maybe, maybe we've been rejected by our family and we call ourselves an outcast. We've given, a, we've given ourselves names, but Lord, you haven't given us those names. And so, Lord, I pray today that we are connecting connecting with our identity that has been won and has been given by Christ Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to count to three. And in this moment, if you want that new identity, or maybe you have ran away from your identity in Christ, and you're no longer allowing your actions to align with who you are for whatever reason, maybe it was the death of a loved one, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, loss of a business, and you allowed that problem to rename you, but today you want to come back to what God has named you in Christ, this is your opportunity. I want to give you that opportunity. Now, when I count to three, slip your hands up and just say, pray with me, pray for you. I'm not going to have you to come to the front, but if you say, I need that prayer today, I forgot who I was. This is my opportunity to come back. One, that's you get ready. Two, get ready. When I pray, when I say three, just slip your hand up. Three, slip your hand up. I'm going to pray with you, pray for you. If that's you, you need prayer, you come back to the Lord. I'm going to pray with you, pray for you. Slip your hand up high if that's you. Three, I see that hand right there. Is there anybody else? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, stand on your feet. We're going to pray out. Hallelujah. We're going to all pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I am who you say I am. I believe that Jesus, you died in my place. You were buried. You rose again. For me, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Today, I let go of the old things and I take on the new things that are found in Christ Jesus. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give a shout of praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to this week's show. Were you empowered to become a team player? Let us know. Connect with us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Triad Christian. Facebook, Triad Christian Center. And you can also visit our website, triadchristiancenter.org. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you back next week to The Movement Podcast.